Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, we all have two voices inside of us. Actually, there might be more than two, but I'm going with two for today. (laughs) There's one voice that's nurturing and uplifting, the voice that empowers us to lean in to what we love. The voice that speaks the languages of confidence, encouragement, and possibility. And then there's the voice that's critical and discouraging. The voice that weighs us down like gravity, rendering us incapable of growing into who we ought to become. And that second voice is your inner critic. And it's a form of self-sabotage. It's holding you back from seeing the change you want to create in your life and living your best life. And that's what we talk about all the time on Hey Soul Sister, how do we live our best life, whatever that looks like for us. And so today in the studio, I have Dr. Ricky Lee Elliott, Dr. Ricky DeSum, who's a <laughs> psychologist and director of the Hummingbird Center, which is a world-class mental health and well-being treatment center that connects and heals as many people as possible. Hey, Dr. Ricky. Hi, Mel. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. You're our next resident doctor. We have Dr. Emily Ford, who is a PhD in women's fertility. And now we've got Dr. Ricky. Lovely. Who's an expert in psychology. Yep. So you've been a psychologist for 18 years. Yes. Yep. And so I imagine that you've seen many people during that time. Many, many people. I've seen lots and lots of people during that time. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you become a full-blown psychologist? Was that 18 years ago? Because I know that it actually takes a long time to become a psychologist. Yes. I was an intern psychologist for a while before a registered psychologist and then a clinical psychologist. So I'm not sure exactly what point of that 18 years that the registered part started, but definitely started my career 18 years ago. Yeah. And then you must have done your PhD to... Yes. I'm a doctor. Yes. So she, you're way smart. <laughs> I think I just know how to work hard. Way smart. <laughs> so way smart about the human mind. Well, it's, it's fascinating. You know, we always say at work, no matter what you learn, there's always more to learn and more and more new research comes out all the time. So you actually never really feel on top of it. You know, you always feel like there's more to learn, more to learn, more to learn. You know, it's funny. I think psychology is one of those things that really fascinates people. And I know it fascinates me because I'm always trying to figure out like why people behave or respond or say the things that they do. Yes, it is. It is so fascinating because there's so much depth and elements and onion layers to it. Most definitely. We're all like onions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lots and lots of layers. Yeah. Okay, and so do you work with any specific type of people at the moment, any specific speciality or, you know, just generally anybody who needs a bit of help and support? So I do work pretty much with everyone. I work across the lifespan from young children to older adults. So I'll have some children, I see some teenagers and I see adults. I have had a speciality in antenatal and postnatal anxiety and depression and that's caused me a lot to work with women specifically. And that's probably the majority of my work is is women. Yeah. Yeah. You would see then, I'm guessing, that there would be some common themes or reasons that people come to see you seeking help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. And so what would that be? What are, what are some of those common reasons that people come to see you? Probably a, a really common reason why people come to see me is or people need psychological help might be some unresolved issues from the past. So within their relationships growing up that causes level of 
low self-worth or low self-confidence in adulthood and it causes a lot of anxiety and depression. So a big thing that I, you know, I do see lots of different people with lots of different presentations and different traumas and things, but a recurrent theme that I am finding myself talking about session after session is the relationship with the self. Low self-confidence, low self-worth, low self-esteem, whichever way you want to look at it, that causes a lot of self-doubt, it causes a lot of judgment, inner criticism, lack of acceptance of the self, which causes a lot of anxiety and depression. And I, and I think that's the most consistent theme that I see working with women. I had another guest on earlier today, Sindra Banks, and she actually does coaching around relationships and sex. We were just chatting and she was saying that she sees so much of that, so much of women that have that really critical inner voice that really struggle with self-confidence and have a lot of self-doubt. Where does that come from? Why? Why is that? Because I would absolutely agree. I go, I've got a pretty good life, but I go, the one thing that ever rocks me is myself. Yes. It's always the self. It's not anyone else. It's me. (laughs) Something outside of it can trigger it, but ultimately it comes down with a wrestle with, with yourself. And so... Firstly, it's biologically driven. It's part of our our brain, our structure, is that everyone's got an inner critic, very connected to your anxiety. So, you know, when we were cavemen and things historically, we had to belong to the group. If you weren't accepted by the group back in the back in those days and you're excluded from the group, you're in trouble, you know, because being in the group meant survival. So this this drive to belong to be accepted to care what people think to all of that is biologically driven in us for survival um isn't that funny because i get that but that was kind of hundreds to thousands of years ago yeah like we're, we're, we don't live in a society like that now but i get it it's like we have this really strong sense of we want to belong to a, want- a tribe or a group of people yeah we're still it, even though we've evolved we still are social creatures and we still want to belong and be accepted and be loved and be valued and, and so pleasing other people and being and and that is still a huge driver for us so that's a big part is knowing that you're not alone with it that this is human nature having it but then messages we receive in early childhood and as we grow up strongly influence it so if you receive negative messages from you know parents who were stressed or teachers that were stressed or peers via bullying or getting a hard time all those environmental influences can contribute to the inner critic and 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 certain more anxious people are more prone to it as well if you're more prone to be a people pleaser or you're more prone to be socially anxious and care what other people think your inner critics likely to be louder isn't it funny how as humans that so many people can recall from 30 or 40 years ago a comment that a parent or a teacher made and they will hold on to that for the rest of their lives yeah and 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 it will really impact them and trigger them you know, even as adults, that's so interesting. And it can be the slightest, littlest thing. It can be two words said by an adult when, when someone was a child or a teacher, a stranger yeah. can stick with people, yeah. It's really interesting, yeah. isn't it? And books and things that I've read around, you know, personal growth and self-development, they say that it's funny as humans that we have a habit of latching onto those negative comments about ourselves. We might get told 10 good things, but we hold on to the negative. Yes, and especially if it's in the vulnerable period of early childhood development and things like that. Like if you had lots of strong positive messages growing up and someone said something negative to you now at, you know, I'm 38, then it's it's probably not going to rattle me as much as what it did if I, I received it early on or if it was repeated. 
So if peers at school repeated it, teachers at school repeated it, parents repeated a repetitive negative comment, yeah. it becomes the external voice outside becomes an internal voice. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So I was watching a TED Talk once with researcher Alison Ledgerwood and her TED Talk was called Getting Stuck in the Negatives. And she said that our human brains are programmed to veer toward the negative. She was kind of like going, look, they did all this research and it's like we actually as humans always – our brains are like a programmed to veer towards the negative. Mm-hmm. And so she was kind of talking about how that shows up in your everyday life and then what do you do to counter that? Okay, why is it that we veer towards the negative? It's again back to those caveman days where the more anxious we were, the more hypervigilant we were to threats in the environment, the less likely we were to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> so our brain is biologically prime to scan the environment for threats and to avoid them but in this modern day life we still have some threats you know if a, if a snake comes towards us or a truck's coming towards us we want to be primed towards that so we can do fight flight and freeze to avoid it however not the same level of we don't need to be scanning the environment at all times for threats however the brain is still largely built that way so it takes a lot of effort then to rewire it back to more scan for the positives yeah because it's really funny that we I mean, our threats today are kind of like emotional and social. Yeah. Like really. And they're not going to physically kill you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a bear coming to eat you. It's like someone looked at me funny. (laughs) Yeah. But it ignites those same fight, flight, freeze patterns in the brain that does take that stuff seriously. And back, like I said, if we were excluded from the group because we've upset a key member of the group back then, it kind of the brain reacts the same way now. And isn't it funny? Like, okay. I have so witnessed this is that even as adults, I see groups of adults that still will use exclusion as a power thing, Mm. you know, especially I'm going to call it women are so bad for that. Mm. Mm. And I was out with some women recently and I was watching them, you know, kind of like socially exclude somebody. And I was sitting there going, oh my God, we're in our forties. Really? And that's, that's really that this is still going on, but it's like this real power thing. Yeah. Cause it did, it did used to hold a lot of weight. Yeah. yeah. So even though we've evolved and it's probably maybe some yeah. people more than others, <laughs> it, it is still a real threat to survival. So if you're going to use something against someone, that is a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's probably more realistic than getting like thumped over the head with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the big question is. How do we actually change that? Like, how do we change it? Because if our brains are wired to veer towards the negative, you know, like we don't, we don't, we don't want that. I mean, we talk all the time. There's so many self-help books and gurus and everybody's talking about be positive, be positive, be positive. Can we rewire our brains to veer towards the negative? You can definitely rewire your brain. Uh, It takes, what I tell people is if you're going to rewire something that requires new pathways to be built down the brain, you've got to practice it every single day. So it's not enough that when you make a huge mistake at work or you're embarrassed yourself socially or something to then try and practice then. You've got to be practicing every day. So when that inner critic is triggered for whatever reason, you're ready to rewire it. So instead of think positively, think positively, I much prefer the practice of self-compassion, which is I'm a human being, I'm doing the best I can, human beings make mistakes, all of us do, 
all human beings have emotions you know i'm doing the best i can what can i can i learn from this situation how can i grow from it and learn rather than judge myself and criticize myself and bully myself basically and that creates more of a stuckness and a negativity whereas a self-compassion how can I learn and grow from this and understand I'm a human being with a human brain and we make mistakes we're perfectly imperfect as we are that promotes growth and thriving where the other one promotes stuckness and more negativity so I'm a big believer in the the movement of self-compassion I'm a big believer in gratitude instead of just positivity and if you've had a really troubled upbringing and trauma in your background, your inner critic's likely to be fierce and harsh and abusive. And for people like that, I recommend definitely therapy. And I don't know if it's been released yet, but you've done EMDR podcast with Tracy Lynch. Yeah, yeah, that has been released. It has oh, been released. I think that was uh, in the first quarter of the year we did that. You did that one. So yeah. I recommend EMDR and trauma therapies for people who have had those really harsh experiences early on because those inner critics, they're, they're much more tougher to shift, but they can. So things like that, that EMDR that Tracy talked about and um, self-care generally, really, you know, sleep, yeah. eat, diet, socialising, all those kind of basics as well of self-care. It's interesting you touched on the gratitude. And again, it's funny, we you see as a hashtag, you know, grateful, blessed, you know, and, and I have a friend who was after the first lockdown last year was like, if I see another buddy hashtag blessed, <laughs> hashtag grateful, I'm going to murder someone. <laughs> She was joking, she wouldn't really, but yeah. but it's interesting. I've been watching Dr. Joe Dispenza on YouTube mm-hmm. and he talks a lot about that. So I, I get caught up by the YouTube title that's like, you know, how to live this amazing positive life. And he always goes, it comes back to daily gratitude. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can, we just walk around again, the brains are focused on uh, lack, you know, do we have enough food, money, this, that, you know. So instead of focusing on what we lack or what's wrong, no matter what's wrong or what we lack, it always brings it still back to what you do have and focus on what's right. And there, there is usually something there, even in terrible circumstances. Uh, so it is that way to focus on what you do have, not what you don't have. And also, not just focus on self, but focus on others. And I think that it's a really, it's a really nice way to naturally be positive. You know, I think on social media, you know, that's just, you know, a lot of stuff just for, you know, how it looks on the outside and all of that. It's not a genuine, authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, I love this because you're a doctor. (laughs) And you're a psychologist. You've done a lot of training, a lot of learning. You're like an expert. And so the fact that you're saying that daily gratitude can actually help rewire your brain to be more positive, to to stifle that uh, those negative voices in your inner critic. I'm like, okay, that holds a lot of weight. It really can. And what I do tell everyone is you can't just cognitively list it. You can't just say I'm grateful for, you know, my husband, my dog, a roof over my head and off you go. You've got to feel it. You can't just think it. So if you're grateful to have your best friend in your life, then I say to people, come up with a memory of when they did something really kind or you had a belly laugh with that person and relive that memory or that feeling. Or if you're grateful for your job, come up with a memory of an instance of when you really felt that. Because if you just go, yeah, I'm grateful I've got a job, I'm grateful I've got a car drive, like it means nothing, it does nothing. So you can't rush through it. You've got to feel it. So I love you said that because I found a meditation the other morning and I found it on YouTube. So I, I kind of like pop in my little earbuds and I was was listening to this. So it was, only goes for 10 minutes. 
And what the the man whose voice it is, he, what he kind of says through this guided meditation, and the name of the meditation is, you know, lifting your frequency or your your higher self to be more yeah. positive. So it's about that, about lifting you so you ha- you're being more positive. And once you get through the, the intro and doing some deep breathing, he goes, okay, love, think about a time when you felt truly loved. And he, he so he talks to you through that and he goes, right now, feel that, feel mm. that in your body. And you do. So I lie that and I feel, I think about that at a time. And actually, when I, for me, I go, I think about when my granny was alive and I was a little girl and I'd lie in bed with her, talking to her and she'd tell me stories and it felt like such a beautiful, special time just for me and her. And I always think of that and I get this beautiful feeling in my chest. And then he goes, okay. Joy, think about a time when you felt just pure joy for someone else. So it's not time that you, uh, you felt joy for yourself. When did you feel pure joy for someone else? And think about that and feel it in your body. And then he does the same with gratitude. Think about the time when you feel really grateful for something. And then he goes, okay, now think about that positive feeling and it's coming up through your, your feet and up through your legs. And so you visualize that, that positive feeling, then it come rests back in your belly and he goes, okay, so if ever you are feeling stressed or anxious and you need that, go to that positive feeling in your belly. Yeah. And it only goes for 10 minutes. Soul Sisters, if you're listening and you want me to send you the link to that meditation, it's just mm. on YouTube. It's great. It only takes 10 minutes. And actually, now that you say that, that there needs to be a daily practice. I'm going to commit to doing that every morning. Yes. And you just really feel that. And I've even got goosebumps. And as you started talking then, I had the, the memory of being with my granny. Yeah. You know, And it's like, even though that was however many years ago, even in the most stressful time, you can relive that feeling as if it was yesterday. Oh, do you know what? Absolutely. I, that when I think about that, it actually almost brings a tear to yeah. my eye because it was such a special time just for me and her. Yes. And it really does. You feel that in your, in, I feel that in my heart. So. So, um, oh, there you go. Well, I'm going to commit to that as a daily practice. Yeah. So that to help, you know, for me to control my, you know, negative voice, because as I was saying before, I'm like, I'm generally pretty self-confident. Mm. I trust my decisions and I know that if I don't know the answer, I will go and seek the answer yes. and I trust myself to do that. Yeah. So I go, in terms of confidence, I, I, I trust myself, but I still have those voices in my head that, you know, that really can be really <laughs> they can yeah. be terrible like to me <laughs> yeah most definitely most definitely i say to, to people who come and see me if you did that in five minutes if you played that meditation it might be a longer one you might just be able to do shorter versions of it if you did that for five minutes and then said okay today i'm going to be aware of the inner critic trying to trip me up and sabotage me today i'm going to be aware of any negative thoughts and i'm just going to not buy into them they're not helpful if you just spend 10 minutes doing gratitude meditation and priming yourself to be aware of your thoughts because we're unconscious most of the time they come in we're not even aware of them and they drive us and drive our life so if you can spend 10 minutes priming yourself to be aware of it you are starting to rewire the brain every day and it's almost like i guess because i don't know about you but I will start with a thought and then I can go down a whole damn rabbit hole. Yeah. Like Alice in Wonderland, I go down this whole rabbit hole. Yeah. This turn and that turn to you in a deep, dark place. Oh, absolutely. And it's usually at two in the morning. Yes. <laughs> two in the morning. Um, so it's like actually kind of stopping yourself and going, hang on, I can see I'm doing this. Yeah. Stop brain, stop mind. I need to do a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, and often what you find, if you think the same thing the next day, it won't even be the same, have the same hold on you. Yeah. So it's learning how to become aware of it as soon as it starts. Yeah. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So I'm going to ask you a question. Hmm. 
What is the difference between like self-confidence and self-esteem? Because I, I, I know that I have definitely used those terms interchangeably, but they're quite different. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And you can have lots of, you know, false confidence and false bravado. Really self-esteem, and I don't even usually use that term too much, and I don't get caught up in semantics too much, but really self-worth, which is another term for self-esteem, is, is a real big thing that we talk about. And that's your relationship with yourself. That's how you feel about yourself, whether you accept yourself or not, how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself. Because most people generally, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people don't accept either parts of themselves or whole parts of themselves and like to avoid difficult memories, difficult feelings that we have. And if you have low self-worth, again, it's biologically driven, but it's determined by those early relationships, parents, teachers, peers, other family members. If you have negative self-worth, you'll have a strong inner critic. That will cause a lot of anxiety. That will cause a lack of self-confidence. So when you go into social situations, you don't feel confident to speak. When you go to work, you don't feel confident. You don't feel confident to pursue dreams and goals. So self-worth is this more deeper relationship with self and how accepting and loving you are towards self and then that drives confidence which is how you present in everyday situations if that yeah. makes sense yeah. yeah yeah okay cool one of the things that you uh, mentioned before is around compassion and also if you're you know like having a tough time um with those little negative thoughts is about actually going and helping others yes and it's funny because i've heard people say and i know i've said it myself it's like uh, if you're kind of going through a rough time, go and volunteer. Yeah, yeah. We can – I think it's important not to avoid your own things by burying that and focusing on other people. But at the same time, if you're acknowledging your own things, but you're also saying instead of just being stuck in feeling sorry for myself, if I can step outside of my own head and my own thoughts and go and help other people and connect with other people, it certainly helps people a lot. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that you get many – women that come in around feeling excluded from tribe yes i definitely do have a lot of women that go through that yeah and i asked because i have a dear friend of mine who recently um had a baby and um she was trying to um socialize with the mother's group and for some reason kept getting excluded and she still doesn't know why and it's really interesting she had to go seek like a help assistance from a psychologist to actually help her with that Mm. because she was ended up tearing herself apart and but really consumed her thoughts Mm. it was heartbreaking to see because i think this woman is amazing but Mm. you know i'm i don't have a little baby and i'm not trying to get into a mother's group (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so i just wondered if that was something that that is a bit of a common thing around that whole feeling of exclusion yeah it can be and it, it it can be just because you haven't found the right tribe for you and it can be you've just I've been unlucky in finding the tribe or it can be your own lack of confidence or anxiety or any critic means that you hold yourself back you know in those situations and don't put yourself forward so then people tend to overlook you or yeah or not include you so there's a multitude of reasons that that it can happen yeah, yeah yeah well what I love about you coming on Hey Soul Sister today and and talking about this is that actually you've kind of validated that we're all a bit the same. We're all very much the same. All the all our, you know, we're, we're different, but our, our brains and our nervous systems are wired the same. And I do say that to people coming to work. If only you could be an invisible fly on the wall. You know, I, I benefit so greatly from that because 
all thoughts are the same. You know, people think it's unique to them, you know, these negative thoughts, it's just about them, but it's a, what the brain does to people, you know. And I was saying to someone today, actually, I remember being in a conference with 8,000 people in the room and this woman was struggling with a particular negative thought and the conference presenter said, put your hand up who else in the room has struggles with that same thought and 8,000 people put their hand up, different races, countries, ages, men and women, you know, yeah. we are very similar and that's a big part of self-compassion. It's called one humanity. It's knowing that we're human. We're all human. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes and it's okay. Yeah. Well, I would just like to say thank you and that's a beautiful note to end Thanks, this Mel. episode on. Dr. Ricky, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so coming. much for having me. Oh, do you know what? It's so, And again, it is kind of validating to go, hey, we're not alone here. We all kind of have those not thoughts. Alone. But the beautiful thing is, as you say, we can rewire it. We can, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and if it's too hard to on your own, seek help. Yeah. And I'm going to say, if anybody wants me to send through the link to that meditation that I was talking about, it's 10 minutes, do that every day. Sounds fabulous. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to send you that link. Again, I, I, I just found it recently and I'm like, oh, that's mm. beautiful. I feel amazing. And I'm committing to listening to it every day so that I can kind of veer my thoughts to the positive. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, uh, Now, Dr. Ricky, how can people find out about you? Uh, yep. So uh, we are at the Hummingbird Centre and we've got an office at Warners Bay, Broadmeadow and Newcastle West. Our website's www.hummingbirdcentre.com.au. Are you on any socials? We're on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 So people can reach out if they have any questions or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, most definitely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Soul Sister. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.